Are you part of a blended family, or do you know someone who is? A couple of years ago, Ron Deal, the president of Smart Families, contacted me about being part of the Blended Family Conference. I was so confused. Now, John and I have been married for 33 years, and we don't have a step family. But when I told John that, he laughed. He goes, yes, but we do have a blended family. John adopted Corey after we were married, and then we adopted seven children together. So I guess that is a blended family. I just never thought about it that way before. So living in a blended family is hard and getting wonderful advice from amazing people like Ron Deal can help. So that's what we're going to be talking about on today's podcast. Ron knows that blended family living isn't easy and the foundation that he always turns to is Philippians 2, 4 through 5. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Okay, that is no easy task. But in Ron's new book, Preparing to Blend, he helps couples prepare for all types of family dynamics that come with blended families, relationship, practical, spiritual, financial, personalities, all the different areas. Here's a couple quotes. Ron says, in blended families, the biological parent and step-parent must work hard to find their harmony, to support one another, and to play to one another's strengths. Another quote I love, since authority is based on relationship and trust with the child, step-parents should move gradually into relationship first and then discipline. You know, I probably could have used that advice with our adopted kids too. Those are just two small nuggets that he shares. In today's podcast, Ron also answers questions from my readers, such as how to handle jealousy from kids when two parents who have children from a previous relationship then have a child together. So if you're in a blended family or you know someone who is, tune in. You're going to enjoy this. tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I'm sharing my heart and answering questions about faith, writing, homeschool, big family living, and so much more. I'll also be digging deep into meaningful conversations with other authors, speakers, moms, and God lovers. I'm your host, Trisha Goyer, wife to John, mom of 10, author of over 80 books, speaker, homeschooler, avid reader, and mega nap taker. I'm so glad you're here. Well, Ron, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited, and I know we're going to get a lot out of talking about your book, Preparing to Blend. Well, Trisha, thanks for having me. You're a lot of fun. I always enjoy working with you, so uh, looking forward to this. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to jump right in, right? We're taking the deep end, going in deep, because Uh, I... I went on my Facebook page and I mentioned that we are going to be um, talking about this book, which they're so excited about. So I said, do you have questions? And they had quite a few questions. So here are some ones. Um, One of our, one of my listeners, Carrie, she said that she has a family member that's in the process of becoming a blended family. So Mm -hmm. her first question was, how soon, and it sounds like it's pretty serious, but how soon should this couple involve the children? And she said they're pre-teens and teens. 
Yeah, got it. Okay, so um, let me back up a step. Preparing yeah. to Blend is, for your listeners' benefit, it's book number nine that we've written all about step family living. And so there's another book that really is bullseye for this question, and it's called Dating and the Single Parent. Okay. It, it, it sort of walks somebody all the way through beginning to date, dating well, dating with kids. How do you make decisions about marriage? And once you get engaged and like you're definitely moving towards a wedding, that's preparing to blend. So that's sort of a, they complement one another. And so th- that's a book you might want to recommend to your friend or family member, Dating Absolutely. and the Single Parent. In that book, one of the things I talk about is, yeah, kids and ages. Um, the younger they are, wow, here's the odd thing, Tricia. You would think that um, you, you know, their exposure would be that you wouldn't want to necessarily do it very quickly. And that's actually correct because really young kids can actually bond with a future step-parent faster than you can. And so you don't want to do too much time and energy invested with that person until you're really pretty sure this has potential, this relationship. Um, For preteens and early teens, the sooner you involve them in awareness of what's going on, I think the better. The bottom line here is voice. Children who have been through a death of a parent or a parent's divorce, they have lost their voice in so many ways. And when a parent begins to take interest in another person, they have a lot to say about that. Sometimes they're very excited and all about it. And sometimes they're sort of like, yeah, I could take it or leave it. And some some kids on occasion are like in the movies where they're just sort of really don't want that relationship. That's good Hollywood. That's not a lot of life. But the point is children have uh, a range of emotions and thoughts and feelings and not just their initial one, but they will, those thoughts and feelings will change over time as they get to know the person, as they watch you, as they see how their family is being impacted by this new relationship. And as it gets closer and closer towards, wow, you guys might get married and reality's hitting home, kids have all kinds of emotions. And so what you need to do, the rule of thumb, is keep checking in with your mm. kids. Keep dialoguing. What, how would you feel if I dated this person? What do you think about that? Um, and after you've dated a while, so what are you thinking about this relationship? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings for me, for them, for yourself? And don't get defensive. This is not uh, work your agenda time <laughs> where you're going to try to sell your child right. on this new relation. Don't do that. That's not giving them a don't voice. Don't make promises. <laughs> right. Don't make promises. Uh, you know, and so it's, but keep checking in because here's the bottom line, Trisha. Your kids need to know that they have not lost you. Now, I know that sounds a little weird to even say it. But that's sort of their experience sometimes. Wow, man, mom fell in love. Guess what? We don't ever sit down and talk anymore. We don't ever go to the get our nails done anymore. We don't like, or we do, but it happens once in a great while and not nearly as often. They miss those points of connection. And when they see that shifting somewhere else, hmm, that just kind of taps into the, the grief and pain they already have in their life. So keep checking in. You want to move towards your kids, even as even as you are moving towards this new romantic partner. That is so good. And I'm so glad you brought that up because the thing that I really kind of want to take even a step farther is the they're, they face a loss, whether it mm-hmm. was the death of a parent or the loss of this parental unit through divorce. Mm-hmm. Yes. They had something and it's broken apart. Um, and I think so many times, especially if, if we are able to heal and get past it, which 
that means that that can be a whole another issue if you're really right. ill than moving past it. A child, right. especially at their level, they understand things differently. They may feel maybe guilt or shame because mm-hmm. different things happen. They may think they're a part of it, um, which often is not the case. But kids interpret things completely different than what's really going on. And so I love how you're talking about this communication can mm-hmm. help them even in the process all that stuff maybe that has been around kind of in their mind and heart might start coming out a lot more when suddenly there's a new person introduced. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, let me jump forward to the book we're talking about, Preparing to Blend. There's a whole chapter in there on talking to your kids about the wedding, about Mm. the plans, about their role that they may want to have or don't want to have. What capacity do they want to be involved in the wedding and planning and so on? And you know, when I started the book, Tricia, I thought that was sort of an add-on chapter, wedding. You know, everybody's planning their wedding. That's already happening. We don't need to encourage them to do that. I was dead wrong. I started looking into the research and it turns out that the wedding for children in particular can be either putting the stamp of this is legit and this is my new family and I've got to get used to it. Mm-hmm. Or it can be so they, if they are overlooked in the process, the wedding can stand as a, as a symbol of, again, abandonment. You don't want that. So giving them a voice, we're back to that theme, giving them a voice in planning and preparation. What role do you want to play? What do you think about this? You're not putting them in charge of the wedding. It's your wedding. Right. But at the same time, you don't want to leave them behind as you're moving towards the wedding. Again, think of the symbolism of that for a child. The wedding feels like something you're doing and they just have to deal with and tolerate and and now their life is completely different because of your wedding. If it's our wedding, that at least represents what you're trying to build going forward. Oh, I love that. And I, I know I've seen some special parts where maybe um, the the new parent has a special gift for the child yes. or the ceremony yes. or those types of things, which just makes it feel like, okay, this is a, a parents that are actually thinking about the children, <laughs> thinking yes. about, okay, we're all coming together in this. Um, and also I'm accepting you just as much as I'm accepting your mother or father. And I think that kids need that love and acceptance mm-hmm. and know that, you know, vows are me- being made <laughs> to care for them too, just as they are their parents. Yeah. Separate and apart from those creative ideas we are in our book, we've got a website people can go to right now, familylife.com slash preparing to blend familylife.com slash preparing to blend and couples will see a section that click the tab and there's bonus ideas for weddings for involving their kids and some creative ideas that other people have done all of that's freebie and as well as you can learn uh, a little bit about about the book and what i love the layout of the book there's different topics that you cover and so for you this example of the planning your wedding section, you know, you explain different things that might come up and things you need to think about, the types of weddings, involvement in the ceremony, but in every chapter in the back, there is activity instructions and then questions for reflection. Mm -hmm. And this is so good. And then try this section and every, so it's not just these concepts that are kind of just floating out there. It's like, here's things you can go to the website. You can print this up. You could use this tool. These are questions you can ask. And again, you talked about the importance of communication. It's bringing everyone together to Mm -hmm. talk about these things um, and prepare them for what's going to happen either during the wedding or during the marriage after or blending of families. You know, here's another conversation you need to have, and that's with your local church and pastor. 
And by the way, because I know that most pastors don't really know how to do Mm pre-blended family counseling, they just Mm -hmm. do couple counseling. They don't do pre-blended family counseling, which is two totally different things. Um, And we've started training, by the way, virtual training for pastors. So if you know somebody or you are somebody who's interested in that, just look us up, go to that same website, and you'll be able to find and get connected to that. But couples can do this book as their premarital counseling. I wrote it knowing they might not have somebody who can come alongside them. They might be uh, on their own with this. And so, as you said, every chapter is not just a let's learn some things, but it's let's do something that's going to move your family toward familiness, not just you and your bride or groom, but your kids too. And so it is all about the family dynamic and it's a working uh, project. Uh, I think way too many people, I've been doing this for 30 years now. Okay, Tricia, I've heard this story (laughs) over and over again. Have I heard the story? Why didn't anybody tell us, tell us this before we got married? Mm -hmm. Uh, we're discovering this and that we never anticipated this. And it seemed to be going great when we were dating, but now we kind of have a different attitude in this kid or that kid. And it's sort of like, look, all of that's predictable. I tell people all the time, it's predictable. And in this book, we've tried to help A, prepare you for that and B, give you something you can actually do that engages your family in a way that moves you towards the family you're trying to become. It speeds up your momentum along that path. Why wait to get blindsided six months in or six years in? Why not go ahead and do it on the front end? That's really what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, it's not like let's deal with the issues when they arise, because um, you know you've seen it all. You you know they will arise. So let's talk about these issues yes, before right. we even get there. And I I talk about that when I do parenting things. I'm like, if you know it might be an issue, like meeting new family at Christmas. Let's talk about these things. Let's role play it. Let's work mm. on these things before you're standing there before an aunt and uncle they don't know and the child doesn't want to look at them or whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever it is, whatever we can do to prepare ourselves, our kids, talk about things. This might happen. You might feel this way. Then it just gives them tools to use as they deal with these challenging situations that we know that they're going to face. Right, right. That was a good question. That took us a long way. We got did, a lot covered. A, well, this next one is even, uh, this will take us a long way too. How do we handle jealousy um, hmm. between kids? When It says, how do you handle jealousy from kids when two parents have children from previous relationships and then, well, this one has, and then have a child together. But I think we yes. could even mention, let's talk about maybe there's just a jealousy of blending mm-hmm. families and then we could add on the jealousy of then having a child together. Let's start with a relational definition of jealousy. Okay. <laughs> jealousy is the fear of being replaced. Mm, that's so, good. so if I'm jealous of your work and your career, it's because that holds more importance in your heart than I do. If I'm jealous of another person in your life, a friend that you have where you entrust certain things instead of entrusting that in our relationship, I'm, I'm in, in effect being replaced by that other thing. By the way, a lot of people are jealous of their partner's phone these days, Mm -hmm. and rightfully so. So when a child who, and by the way, everything that we're talking about today, when I say the word child, I want you to think five years of age, 15 years of age, or 30 years of age, because this all applies to adult children as well. When a child feels like I've been replaced, um, it's that abandonment thing we were talking about earlier. Wow. You know, dad fell in love with this person and we used to spend a lot of time together. And now when I come to his house on the weekends, it's not just us. He's somewhere else. He's planning something else. He's spending time on the phone with this woman that he's interested in. He's spending a couple hours. We don't get to do the things we used to do. 
in effect, it feels like that person's more important. I've been replaced. I don't really hold importance in your heart anymore. Of course, that child would be jealous of that dad's new dating partner. Yeah. And that's just what happens. And by the way, if dad's new dating partner has children of her own, now I'm jealous of these people who are going to be my step siblings. Why? Because they too get some of dad that I don't get anymore. Yeah. Dad's trying to build relationships with new kids. (laughs) Right. So when we were talking earlier about move toward your children, even as you're moving toward a new partner, that's how you deal with jealousy. You have to give what we call attachment reassurance to your children that they are still important, that they have not been forgotten, that you still care for them, that some of the things you had prior to this new relationship are still going to continue after. And oh, by the way, let's face the fact that your kids, they've not completely lost you. You know that. You haven't felt that in your heart, but that's sort of the way it feels. But what they have lost is some of your time. Right. They have lost some of your energy and focus. You cannot uh, avoid that. I think a lot of adults kind of feel that little guilt thing and they're like, hey, I still have my kids. Nothing's changed. But to your children, something has changed. And keep in mind, this is not the first loss. As you said a little while ago, Tricia, this is about the hundredth thousand loss, Mm -hmm. right? In a whole series of losses that have happened in their life because of a lot of transition and change they didn't ask for. Here's another unwanted change to them. It's like another it could be another earthquake, but right now it's an aftershock of at least a previous earthquake. Like it's still in that category of change. We got a chapter in the book, Unwanted Change. How do you help yourself and your kids prepare for that? Why? Because every new loss feels like I'm losing something again. I'm losing importance to the people that I care about the most. Move toward your kids. Spend time with them one-on-one. The biggest mistakes people make are things like, um, Ron, I want my kids to embrace my new partner, my new wife. Um, we're not married yet, but we're going to be married. They got to get used to this. Therefore, she's going to be around every time I'm with my kids. Mm. Wrong. That is dead, flat, a dumb idea. Because the statement you're making to your children is you and I in our relationship is no more. It's now me, you, me, and her. No, you need to give some of you to them without her. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're going to work her into the equation, but also make sure there's time where she's she's not around. By the way, if you're listening right now and you're going, well, I'm the step parent. I don't like not being with my spouse and their kids. I feel like an outsider. Well, you are an outsider. All right. <laughs> That's the truth. And you're trying to become an insider. And the way you become an insider is to not become so possessive that they feel like you know they can't have their dad without you. That's the way you stay an outsider. Because now they're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. You just want to infringe on all of our time and energy. See, this is a three-person deal. Like Kids have to make accommodations to what's new and changing. That's true. The biological parent has to move toward their children and move toward their spouse. That takes a lot of emotional work. And the new step-parent has to be willing to say, no, 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 you guys go, go uh, spend the afternoon together. Go fishing like you always do. You know, go do that fun game thing that you guys do in the in the bedroom when you're just having fun playing board games or whatever it is that you guys have always done. I'll just hang out over here and you just be okay with that for an hour. There'll be other occasions where you get to move into the new family uh, dynamic. So everybody has to do their part. Yeah, and it really is looking at um, other people's needs and seeing, I see that these kids really just need time with their mom or their dad right now, or I see that my spouse is feeling guilty and I just need to let my spouse Mm -hmm. know that it's okay to have that time. And part of the way we love 
is by denying ourselves mm-hmm. everything that we want and looking out for other people. Um, you know, I love the language of Philippians chapter two, talking about Jesus and his humility and how he gave so much for us. You know, we are called to do just that. Look to the interests of others, not just your own interests, but look to the interests of others. And as you said, try to serve their needs. That really helps over time. Yeah, so good. Okay. One more question. That was such a good answer. I'm, I'm taking notes here. Jealousy and fear of being replaced. Okay. <laughs> I could get that. I mean, we've, we're adopted blended family. Like everything you're saying, I'm like, okay, this can totally apply to us too. I can tell Trish is going to write a whole book about jealousy and the fear uh, of being replaced. You know, at least a blog post. <laughs> oh, okay. At I'll give least you credit that. though. I'll give you credit. <laughs> okay. This next question is, well, when I was going through the book, I highlighted this page and I... I dog-eared it, and then the question popped up, which I'm sure is one you get all the time, and that's about uh, co-parenting across households. Mm -hmm. So the actual question is, um, let me see where I was. Oh, how, How do you deal with when the ex tries to dictate what is going on in the blended uh, family's home? But let's just talk in general about good co-parenting across households, because I see this a lot. Yes. Um, and that is one of the most frustrating things. And let me just say to, to, to the listeners, you know, just to show you how different a marriage that forms a first time married couple, no kids forming their own family for the first time compared to a marriage that forms a blended family. Mm. Um, there's about six or eight or 10 different dynamics that blended couples face that pull and tear on their relationship that couples in a first marriage just simply don't face. Not everybody in a blended family has an ex-spouse. Not everybody does. Sometimes it was the death of one of the parents, and so there's not another home, and there's not another partner who's sharing in the parenting. But most of the time, following divorce, there is a co-parent situation, and that relationship can be so stressful. It can wear and tear on your marriage. It it affects the kids and their attitude and heart towards the new step-parent. You know, it's sort of like if my bylet, let's just do this scenario. So mom and dad divorced, um, dad's still single. Mom has now, or is in the process of getting married again or already is married. And um, her former husband, you know, says nasty things to the mm-hmm. kids about the stepdad. Well, guess what? That wears on their conscience. It makes them feel like if I don't dislike or dishonor my stepdad, then I'm dishonoring my dad, yeah. you know? So I got to be a pain when I'm over here at mom's house. Well, no, they don't, but... Dad's kind of putting them into that emotional caretaker role, and it's it's really hard on the kids. Um, that comes back to a co-parenting thing. What, what does mom say? What does she do? Well, what if the biological dad is dictating, as the question asked, uh, dictating, well, you need to parent this way, or this is the way we do it over here. You need to put the kids at bedtime, at, you know, such and such, because that's what we do. Okay. The, the big goal here in co-parenting is to say, all right, our children are citizens in two countries. Mm. They, they have citizenship in the United States and they have citizenship in, are you Canada or are you Afghanistan? Right. Are you North Korea or, or, or are you Canada or Mexico? You know, we have good relationships with the people on our north and the south of our borders. We can pass back and forth. We like the people, they like us. There's definitely different rules in Canada, different laws, different government, different money system. But you know what? We can get along. Mm-hmm. So there can be differences between your households. But when you have an attitude of being an ambassador and 
and, and working hard to maintain good relationships between households. Sometimes you disagree, but most of the time you, you get along. That's what we're shooting for. If Canada tries to dictate how we do certain things here in the U.S., how we deal with the COVID situation, for example, you know, they're dealing with it very differently there. Well, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Let me hear your concern. Uh, what is it you're really after? Oh, okay. Right. You're looking for safety for the children. I get it. Um, I too am concerned about that. We are feeling a little bit different about this, but I do appreciate and respect your point of view. I tell you what, I'll accommodate this thing. I'll do that. I can't do this, but I'm willing to do that. I hope that helps. You know, thank you for your time. I know you love our kids. I love the kids. Um, it's okay. You do your thing. We'll do ours. Like you can be negotiable. You can be reasonable. You can find a way to meet in the middle sometimes. Sometimes you can't. The difficulty is when, when the other side is really North Korea. Um, and oh, by the way, if you're North Korea, knock it off. <laughs> That's really, (laughs) I'm just throwing that in there. Like you need to feel some conviction right now because you are really messing up a lot of stuff for your kids. It's really in a terrible emotional climate for them. But if the other households in North Korea, you got to say no sometimes. You got to, on occasion, you know, it's a hill to die on and and it's going to have a lot of negative repercussions and you know you're going to have to pay a price. And if it's a hill to die on, it's a hill to die on. They'll let everything else go. But when you got to die on a hill, all right, go ahead and do it. But it's still at the end of the day, we're called to love and try to be decent and humble as it relates to the other household. So do what you can and manage everything else and the pain that comes with it in ways that you just, you know, help your kids and, 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 and just try to tolerate the difficulty that comes from North Korea. They keep breaking the rules. They don't really care about international relationships. Right. They're going to do what they're going to do. Um, we just have to try to maintain who we are and do the best we can. Romans 12 pops to mind here with this. I mean, don't repay evil with evil. Repay evil with good. And Paul goes on to suggest that sometimes when we overwhelm people with good, it's it puts a mirror in front of their evil mm-hmm. and it makes them look at themselves and sometimes they will change. That's the implication. No promise in that. No guarantees in that. The point is we're just called to represent God and do what we can. So good. So many good points. And I love, I mean, if you are just being blessed like this by this, which I know you are, the book has so many more tips and hints and things to talk about and things to consider and, you know, setting up meetings to talk about these things. Um, I mean, there's, there's so much that can, we can go into when it deals with, you know, dealing with two households. Um, but there's another thing I'm going to talk about. And I think this is the thing that I don't remember if I heard it on your podcast, read it in your book, but let's do a little math when we talk mm. about blended families, <laughs> okay. because this was such an eye-opening thing. And for us, I, I mentioned, we have adopted seven children. They're from three different sibling groups. So some are biological biologically related and some are not. And then mm-hmm. we have biological kids, but one of them I had before I was married. I mean, we have this mishmash of all these things. So let's talk about math in blended families. And this can yeah. be blended families um, as you're preparing to blend blended families. Mm-hmm. Currently, there's a lot of math going on. Here's the takeaway. And then I'll explain the math. Okay. The, t- the takeaway is step family living is more complex mm-hmm. and you have more to navigate. So do the kids. And it's emotionally draining and straining. And that leads to stress. And sometimes the stress then ripples out as anger and conflict towards one another. So 
managing the math is about reducing stress in your yeah. in your household. Yeah. And for couples that are planning to marry in particular, Tricia, one of the things that they're thinking is, oh, look, it's you and me getting married. You got two kids. I got one. So we're going to be a family of five. That's the math. That's not correct. Right. Okay. Because in a biological family, when person meets a person and then they have three children, yes, that's a family of five. But in a blended family, really, all these people have other connections to them that they bring with them. So the couple maybe one of them's been divorced. Let's say that. The other one was widowed. So there's two other parents still in hearts and minds in the lives of the children. Even the one that's deceased is still living in their heart and mind. Okay. So that's four parents. Well, those three kids each come with two sets of parents. The kids are still loyal to, and some of those parents have recoupled. So the kids may have a step-parent in your home now and a step-parent in the other home. Well, that's one, two, and then on your side, three, four, plus the four. Like we have what, six, eight parents going on. Then we add grandparents and it's not just that mom and dad, you know, two sets of grandparents, four grandparents. No, no, no. We might have eight, nine sets of grandparents. That's 18. Listen, I, you talked about my podcast, Family Life Blended podcast, for those that are really interested uh, in this, we do a deep dive on a regular basis, 26 times a year on topics all related to step families. I interviewed a couple not long ago. They were both widowed. And the day they got married, there were 22 grandparents connected to their children. Wow. Wow. So math went from a family of five to what? Now you're a family of 15 or 18. See, the point is Christmas gets a lot harder. Birthdays and celebrations and expectations for how you're going to parent your kids come from five sets of grandparents who all have an opinion about how are you going to do things? And some of them buy big gifts set on birthdays and some of them don't. Some of them show up. Some of them don't. Some of them want time. Some of them don't. Like it's a lot to navigate. That's why you've got to understand your family is more complex. You got to prepare for that. You got to talk around that. And you as a couple at the end of the day are the ones who have to carry the family and lead the family, I should say, through that complexity. But when you think family of five, you're constantly blindsided by a phone call from the other home that you, you, wait a minute, wait a minute, that phone call just changed our schedule tonight? Yes, it did. That phone call just changed our finances because they won't pay for something that we think they're supposed. Yes, it did. That phone call just changed your mood. You were happy 10 minutes ago. Now you're grumpy and you're griping at me. What's that all about? Well, I just talked to my ex. Guess what? Those people are a part of your family. And so complexity requires more time and energy and an understanding. You know, my personal ministry is called Smart Step Families. Most of my books have the word smart somewhere in the title or subtitle because that's at the end of the day what we're trying to help people. Yeah. Get smart about the complexity so you manage it rather than it managing you. Yeah, that is so good. And I think it's so important also, you know, every relationship is a relationship like you have this, the children with the parents, the child with the step parents, the child with each of their biological siblings that's the relationship with each child with each of the new siblings and it is it's managing all these different relationships and who's happy with who today and who's not yes. happy with who yes today. that's so right many things and uh, we could just talk about all these things but let's bring it around and close with some hope because it's like mm, they may be yes. saying they're so overwhelming and yes. so let's, let's talk about i mean i know when it comes to so many challenges just taking things before God and praying for people, he can bring ideas. He can bring <laughs> softened hearts. He can do so many things. So let's, let's talk about that and what kind of hope that God can bring as we 
work towards being smart step families. Hey, for doing this 30 years, I've seen a lot of messes, Mm -hmm. but I've also seen a lot of families who become redemptive organisms in the life of the adults and the children. Mm. You've already been through some hard or you would not be in a blended family. Somebody has been through some loss. Um, and, and when you get blended family living, correct, it's redemptive. It takes back what a little of what is lost. It doesn't replace it or repair it. It creates something new. It's a new and different family. You're not repairing the old one. You're just creating a new one. But this too is where people can be loved and experience what grace is and understanding Mm -hmm. mercy for the first time in their life and find acceptance and embrace and go from an outsider to an insider. And oh, by the way, isn't that what Jesus is doing to all of us spiritually, taking us outsiders and making us insiders? Mm -hmm. Like that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, so let me just be really clear because this is true. Uh, um, Step families done poorly, add more chaos and hurt and pain to people's lives. They do. Blended families done well are redemptive. They're healthy. They move family forward. And here's something really cool. I share this as often as I can, Tricia, just because I think it's so substantial about how God works, even in difficult, hard circumstances. Did, did you know that children who grow up in a healthy blended family compared to children who are growing up, mom and dad divorced, and they're just growing up in a single parent home, for example, children in that healthy blended family arrangement the positivity that they receive from the family functioning well together actually negates some of the detrimental stuff they went through when their parents divorced. And get this, when they grow up, they have a greater likelihood of choosing one lifelong partner Mm -hmm. so that they end up, the next generation ends up having marriage the way God intended. One man, one woman for life. In other words, the mitigating factor, the thing that made the difference, the redemptive organism was the family itself. Wow. It is worth striving for that. It is worth growing, learning, sharing, anticipating, uh, talking with others. You know, one of the things we do at Family Life Blended is we kind of cover it all. We do stuff for churches and curriculum and uh, videos that people can do, online courses, books, resources, you know, podcast. Uh, we've got an event coming up Saturday, April 2nd. We do every spring. This is called Blended and Blessed. Your church can host it for 99 bucks and you put 100 people in the room and bless all of them with an event specifically designed for blended families. And they in turn help the family next to them and the family next to them. When that happens, man, we're taking back the destructive stuff that the enemy is trying to do to our families. Yeah. And so it's worth it. It's kingdom business. I love that. It's bringing good for what, you know, the enemy meant for evil and the enemy meant for harm. And we can bring good and life and hope and, and unity, and it's not going to be easy. <laughs> but none of it is easy. Is any family life ever easy? Oh gosh, <laughs> you know, if any of it, it, it I, I raised three kids. You know, if anybody had ever told me what was in, really involved in parenting, I thought I knew. I didn't know nothing. You know, <laughs> I don't know that any of us would ever yeah. be parents if we really knew what was yeah. required of us. But what a joy! What a what a beautiful pleasure! Even when there's heartache and difficulty and stress and strain, it. It, it grows us. It changes us. It helps us to love more like Christ loves us. Yep. Oh, I love that so much. Well, thank you, Ron. Again, Ron Deal, Preparing to Blend, The Couple's Guide to Becoming a Smart Step Family. And we're going to have the links in all the show notes. But really quickly, Ron, why don't you just share where they can go to get all this great information? 
So Family Life Blended is a division of Family Life. So go come see us, familylife.com slash blended. We'll get you to our section. Once you're there, you can just search and look for all the great resources that are available to you. If you want to know where I'm speaking and where I'm going to be personally, go to my personal website, which is smartstepfamilies.com. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Trisha Goyer Show. I hope you received help and inspiration. That's what I'm here for. Now, remember, if you would like to submit a question, email it to hello at trishagoyer.com. And I can't wait until we connect again.